This is Dustin Shindo, CEO of Hoku Scientific. Now, the nice thing about Greater Good Radio is it takes a different perspective. It's a perspective that most people won't get if they just read the newspaper or if they just read magazines. Obviously, those are very good forms of media as well. But listening to Greater Good Radio gives you a different perspective on entrepreneurs, on community, and on business. Greater Good Radio. I use it as a rule of thumb that I'm trying to get about five times my money in three years or ten times my money in five years. Hi, we can design your home in one minute or less. Inspire. Inspire. If you are doing your passion on a daily basis, then you're never going to have to work a day in your life. Greater Good Radio, brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, fiercely loyal banking. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where we develop tomorrow's leaders by bringing you up close and personal with today's top business people. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Today's show is brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, fiercely loyal banking. Mahalo, Evan. Today's guest is Wally Amos, known for his tasty chip and cookie cookies, and more recently recognized as a literacy advocate who shares a story about his cookies, Chip and Cookie. Chip and Cookie also has a retail location in Kailua. Wally has also been credited with founding the gourmet chocolate chip cookie industry. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Wally Amos. Greater Good. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you guys for having me here, man. It's really a pleasure. I just, I, I, I love the name of your show, you know, The Greater Good, because I think ultimately everything happens for the greater good. Appreciate that. Thank mm -hmm. you for being here. Can you tell us a little bit more about Chip and Cookie, which you're currently doing with that company? Yeah, well, Chip and Cookie, um, a two chocolate chip cookie character dolls, as you mentioned, they were created by my wife, Christine. Uh, Christine is an artist. She created these little dolls about 17 years ago, 17, 18 years ago. So we've been playing with them for a while. So this is the latest reincarnation is the store in Kailua. And uh, things are going very well. And the, the whole focus behind Chip and Cookie is children's literacy, where we are using these characters to help create awareness for reading aloud to children. Um, reading aloud is just the best way to get kids interested in reading, to, to, to have them pay attention, uh, comprehension, imagination, connects the brain cells. It does so many wonderful things. Uh, and it, it really does get kids interested in books. You know, so I've been involved with adult literacy for, uh, 26 years. And finally I said, well, if ever I'm going to get rid of adult Illiteracy. The best way to do it is to create a generation of children that can read. So that's the task that I have assigned to Chip and Cookie. I want them to eradicate adult illiteracy by getting kids interested in reading aloud. So we had a little reading aloud area in the store where I read on Saturdays when I'm in town, uh, two o'clock to kids. And, we've, and, and parents, you know, parents actually come in the store. And sit down and have a few cookies and read aloud to their kids, man. It's I have a nice little library of books there. It's a wonderful, very gratifying thing. 
So do you get the children to read aloud too, or is it mostly the adults no, 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 reading no, to the no, children? No, it's the adults reading to children. You know, I mean, you, I'm, I'm interested in that in that birth till first grade. So obviously they can't read, but we want them to become readers. And the best way to have them become readers is reading aloud to them. So I'm not only I'm interested in parents, I'm interested in adults. Um, you know, like my Rotary Club, Sunrise Rotary, <clears throat> we've had a, a, an activity where we've gone to um, uh, the school right next to uh, where we hold our um, weekly meetings over at the Pacific Club, Royal Elementary School. So, you know, I mean, I, I want people to understand how important this is, and I want everybody to get out, find a kid somewhere, read to them at least 10 minutes a day for every day. It'll change that child, that, it'll change that child's outlook on life and definitely on books. Has there been an occurrence or an experience that you've had in your life that has made you so passionate about this literacy? No, there is not. Uh, You know, when I started Famous Amos, uh, I realized before I started Famous Amos that there would be some organization that I would promote because I think to have a business just to make money is is not what's happening. And so ultimately... I started Famous Amos in 75, and in 79, I became national spokesperson for Literacy Volunteers of America. So then, I mean, I had a nonstop, you know, tenure of really very intensely promoting adult literacy. And about, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, something like that, um, an organization started here in Hawaii called Read to Me International, which uh, Lynn Wahey is the president of, and I was like one of the founding members and I'm still on the board of advisors. And then I started visiting elementary schools, and I started reading children's books. And I said, you know, um, this really is, first of all, it's fun. <laughs> and dealing with those kids, man, it's just absolutely incredible. So that began to shift my focus. And now that I'm involved with Chip and Cookie, that, that all I do now is promote reading aloud. I am so single-mindedly focused on that that I have no distractions, and people call me about so many other things, but all I want to do is promote reading aloud. So does that mean that the chip and cookie, chocolate chip cookies, and, and that area of the business actually supports the read aloud program <clears throat> as opposed to read aloud supporting? Oh, no, no question about it. Uh, we have formed our own foundation. It's the Chip and Cookie Read Aloud Foundation. And as we become profitable, we're only three months old, um, so we're not profitable yet. But as we become profitable, we will donate 10% of our net profits to the Chip and Cookie Read Aloud Foundation. Uh, and, And my goal is to have the business take care of itself. And I've got a great guy, a guy named Jeff Van Ness, who is president and Chief Operating Officer of Chip and Cookie. So between he and my assistant, Patty Kelly, they're very capable of running the company, and we need a few more people on board to help them do that, and we'll find those people. But in the meantime, um, I want them to run the company. I'll handle the PR of the company and whatever sales activities I need to, but I want to be more involved in the foundation side. I want to... I want to get this whole literacy thing going. And I'm, I'm making great headway. You know, I've had an event already, in um, in Savannah, Georgia, in conjunction with the children's uh, library there, with, with, the, with the public library, they had uh, Savannah Children's Book Festival last November 19th. And 
we had our first first showing, our first event at that. And we have a campaign called Read It Loud. It's Chip and Cookie Read It Loud. You can go to the website, chipandcookiereadloud.org. Uh, so we had our first event. I am deeply involved now <clears throat> with the Boys and Girls Club of America and looking for ways. And we, we have identified a few areas that we can really partner. Dr. Seuss's birthday is coming up next year in March, uh, but this year in March. And, 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 and so we're, we're looking, we're going to do some stuff with that. But there, there's a, there's a read across America that's coming about. We're going to do something with that. So, so I'm partnering with other organizations right here at home. Uh, I'm working with Good Beginnings, uh, Liz Chun, who's president of the organization. I've had a couple of meetings with she and, and, and her colleagues and Bob Midkiff, you know, uh, founded that and is very supportive of Good Beginnings. So, um, I've, I've had some casual conversations with, uh, with Mayor Hanneman because I'd, I'd like to have a read it loud campaign countywide on Oahu. Just, I mean, imagine this little small community if we could just Bam, you know, have reading aloud be mentioned, be talked about everywhere you turn, man. Well, I want it to be as important as video games. I mean, it's more important than video games, you know, and yet video games get so much attention. But let's let's create that that fervor, you know, that kind of excitement for reading aloud. Yeah. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is Wally Amos, known for his tasty chip and cookie cookies and more recently recognized as a literacy advocate who shares a story called Chip and Cookie about two chocolate chip cookie dolls. Our show is brought to you by Central Pacific Bank. Fiercely, Law Banking. So Wally, it seems like the social mission you picked for your business initially became your actual mission that your business now seems to support. Well, it is interesting. When I started Famous Famous, I mean, I knew I was going to get involved in something. I didn't know that it was going to be adult literacy. Turned out to be adult literacy. And now, I mean, we decided, my wife and I decided before we launched the company that children's literacy would be our focus. You know, reading is a child's first subject. A parent is a child's first teacher. Therefore, reading aloud very clearly is early childhood development. So we decided before uh, uh, we launched the company that that would be the case, and it's it's all factored into our operating agreement, and and so it that that's it, it, it's the only way to go. It's, I, I I've never felt so committed and so definite about doing something in all my life. So where did this whole thing get started? I mean, this famous Amos cookie thing, <clears throat> your your career, you end up in Hawaii. How did this <laughs> come about? Well, famous Amos started, you know, uh, I guess almost thirty one years ago. <laughs> In Hollywood, California, March 10th, 1975, I opened the first store in the world selling only chocolate chip cookies. That happened because I loved chocolate chip cookies. And I'd been in show business. I was an agent at William Morris for about seven years. I was the first agent to book Simon and Garfunkel and Marvin Gaye and the Supremes. And I worked with a lot of rock acts during the 60s. Uh, and then I, I gave that up and moved to Hollywood, California, became a personal manager. And it was then that I started making chocolate chip cookies for therapy and just for the good of having a chocolate chip cookie when I wanted one, you know. And um, I'd go to meetings and I'd uh, share my cookies. Uh, I had uh, actors and actresses that were working on TV shows and recording uh, sessions and whatnot, and every time I'd show up, I'd always give everybody cookies. And people would always say, hey, man, you ought to sell these cookies. You ought to sell these cookies. Man, I was in show business. I knew I was going to be a big-time show business manager, have a great big stable of clients, and, you know, I wasn't about to give that up 
on the thought of selling cookies. Get out of here. <laughs> but finally, in 1974, um, show business had really, I'd soured on show business and needed something else to do, and I didn't know what that was. Was it burnout or what happened? It was burnout. It was just I was never I was never comfortable in show business. I was always in it, but as I tell people, never necessarily feeling that I was a part of it. I always felt like I was on the outside looking in so much of the time, um, and so finally I just I could not relate to the business anymore and many of the people in it, and I, I just, it was not satisfying. It was not fulfilling, so I had to find something else to do. I had no idea what that was going to be, but I was with a friend one evening, B.J. Gilmore, and B.J. was Quincy Jones' secretary, and our offices were adjacent, my office in Quincy's, at A&M Records because I managed a couple of clients that uh, recorded for A&M Records, and I produced one client, a guy named Franklin Ajayi, who was a comedian, and I did his first two comedy albums. So B.J. and I having dinner one evening, and, you know, I'm, I've, I've been thinking for a few months about what am I going to do and where am I going to go and blah, 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 blah. And B.J. said, you know, I've got a friend. No, first of all, she said we should open a store selling cookies. I mean, it's because she knew that I was toying around maybe with the idea. <clears throat> and she said, you know, we ought to open a store selling cookies. Well, you know, maybe, you know. And then, but she followed that with... I've got a friend that I can get to put up the money. <laughs> well, when she said that, I said, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. And it was really that evening. It was about October 21st, 1974, somewhere around there, that I actually made the commitment to open one store selling cookies, not a chain, not to be famous, but to do something that I really loved, that I was passionate about. One of the greatest lessons I've ever learned in life, man, and that is doing what you love, doing what you feel good about, doing what you're passionate about. If you do that, then everything else will follow. Uh, and that started, and uh, five months later, I opened the world's first store selling chocolate chip cookies. Thank you, Ollie. We'll talk more about that after our break. Stay tuned for more on Sports Radio 1420. How do sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and $100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. What does coaching have to do with running a business? Welcome to the Money Minute from Central Pacific Bank. Today we're talking with Sherry Lee, commercial banker. Whenever we hear the word coach... We usually think of the folks who teach our kids soccer or baseball or some other sport. But coaches aren't just for kids. There are business coaches out there who can help you guide your company. Like a soccer coach providing motivation to a team, a good business coach can energize you with new ideas and new growth strategies. That includes analyzing industry trends and developing your network of contacts. Most importantly, a business coach can provide you with an objective outside opinion free from the emotions that come with being an owner. Just like in sports, good coaching may be just what you need for your business to win consistently. Today's Money Minute is brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, where you'll always find bankers that are fiercely loyal to you. Central Pacific Bank, member FDIC. This is Gail Jennings from HawaiiDiner.com and EverybodyEats.org. I read selectively all of the papers, but I tend to read more of the columns at Star Bulletin. 
a lot of it is I like Erica Engel. I like her column, The Buzz. I get good information from that. I like their coverage of the different issues. I like the Star Bulletin. Would you recommend other people to read Star Bulletin? Absolutely. I think we need to be as informed as possible. This is Jim Tollefson, President and CEO of the Chamber of Commerce of Hawaii. I definitely would recommend the Chamber of Commerce to others. The benefits are that you get to meet other businesses, get to work together with other businesses, and help you improve your business to make more money to be successful. If you're not a member already, you can give me a call, 545-4300, extension 388. I invite you to join us in creating a better Hawaii, a Hawaii that's better for us, for our children, and for the future. Wally Amos, creator of Chip and Cookie Cookies. So, Wally, can you continue telling us about your history with Famous Amos and also opening your first store? You were just getting into yeah. when you first opened the doors. And- right. So so I, I decided that I would open a store selling cookies. And uh, it only took five months to put it together. It was the latter part of October 74 and March 10th, 1975. We opened. Um, I got friends Jeff Wall and Helen Reddy. They were married at the time. They put up some money. Marvin Gaye was an initial investor. A guy named Artie Mogul was a record exec. And I raised $25,000 in that, plus a lot of in-kind service. You know what I mean? I had maybe twenty twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000 worth of graphics that were done at A&M Records because I knew the folks over there, and they were kind enough to uh, make that contribution. Herb Alford and uh, Jerry Moss, who owned A&M Records, were actually going to invest in it. At the last minute, they decided they didn't want to. But, you know, yet they allowed me to have all my graphics created uh, at their studio. So I put a big party together because my background was show business. I said, well, now how am I going to, you know, how am I going to let people know that we're here? <clears throat> well, I got some friends to give me, they were in public relations, to give me their, their PR list. And so um, I, I sent out 1,500 uh, invitations to this party, this grand, I called it a, the debut, the, 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 the premiere of the delicious, the delectable, the famous Amos chocolate chip cookie. I had a cute little invitation put together. We had valet parking, I had red carpet from the door to the sidewalk, I had artificial turf in the back of the store. It was hot, man. We had over 2,500 people that showed up March 10th, 1975. And then the media began to come because what I did was I used <clears throat> um, all my connections in show business to attract attention for the greater audience, you know, uh, and that's exactly what happened. And I mean, I, I was in business for a week and Ray Duncan from NBC news, who was always first with doing stuff. He was there doing an interview with me. I mean, ultimately I was on the cover of, uh, time magazine, beautiful spread and people. Magazine. I mean, I was everywhere. I was all over television. I was all over the place and I was well on my way to becoming famous and, um, which was good and bad, you know, <laughs> Because I wasn't quite ready for it, I guess, and the head got a little big, and I started believing some of the publicity, and I ultimately lost Famous Amos because I forgot that there were a team of people that helped me put that company together, and I was just one member of the team. You know, after becoming Famous Amos, I thought I was the team, (laughs) and so ultimately, um, 10 years after 
10, 14 years after starting Famous Amos, I wound up losing the company. How big was Famous Amos at its, at its peak? At its peak with me, I guess the maximum probably that we did was, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 million dollars. Uh, I think when I sold, when I, when I lost the company, we probably were doing five, six million dollars a year, which was nothing compared to where the name was, you know. So uh, it was um, it was irresponsible management on my part, actually, that, that, that caused that to happen. And this yeah. is because there were a lot of investors and partners <clears throat> that helped you get started? Well, it wasn't because of that. It was because, I mean, I had total autonomy. I did whatever I wanted to do because I wasn't listening to attorneys or accountants or people that were working with me. And I didn't put a strong enough business team together to help guide the company and to help develop the company. So what actually happened then? I lost control of the company. It took about four different ownerships, you know, before that happened. Because each time there's an ownership change, your equity becomes less and less. So after about three or four ownership changes, um, I had no equity left. And uh, a venture capital group out of San Francisco called the Shansby Group had bought Famous Amos. <laughs> and um, my equity was foul, and um, I didn't like the guys. So March 1989, uh, I left Famous Amos and... Started over doing something else. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is Wally Amos, known for his tasty chip and cookie cookies, and more recently recognized as a literacy advocate who shares a story called Chip and Cookie about two chocolate chip cookie dolls. Our show is brought to you by Central Pacific Bank. Fiercely, low banking. So, Wally, you know, it's been in the in <clears throat> media or, or coverage that famous Am- Wally Amos lost the famous Amos name at that point, right? Oh, yeah, sure. So what, what is the lessons that you've learned from that that you can share to help other people in, in whatever situation that they're in? The greatest lesson that I've learned is the importance of teamwork, that the only thing you can do by yourself is to fail. But if you want to be a success at anything, you need at least one other person. And it's working with your team, not, 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 not creating an adversarial relationship with those people who are on board to help you. So that's that's really the greatest lesson that I've learned. But, you know, in starting Famous Amos, I learned about the power of enthusiasm, that if you're doing something, if you are excited and enthusiastic about it, <clears throat> other people will gravitate towards it. And that happened with Chip and Cookie also. That's happened throughout my life. The power of commitment, that, that when you say I will, not I hope or I guess, but when you say I will and you stick to it. Some things take longer than others. Famous Amos took five months. Chip and Cookie took 18 years, but I... At several, you know, um, business activities with Chip and Cookie along the way. Uh, so, uh, but I learned about commitment. I learned about faith, man. That you have to believe in something bigger than yourself because you are just so minuscule. Uh, and the thing I've discovered is, when I had total control of my life, my life was out of control. When I let go and let God, when I realized that there's a force far greater than I am that's guiding and directing me, that's creating the greater good in my life, then my life works very, 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 very well. You know, positive attitude, man. I mean, I don't care what's happening. I'm going to stay positive, you know. And I mean, this last latter part of last year, I was going through challenges and because it's a new business, you know, ran out of money. But so what? (laughs) You got to be positive and you got to always focus on answers and solutions. That's a great lesson. Don't be a part of the problem. Don't, Don't get so bogged down by the problem. What is it going to take you to get out of the problem? Because that's the only way you're going to you know, solve anything. And the only way you do that is by uh, focusing 
on answers and solutions. So I've learned a lot of things. But the key thing really, I think, is uh, having a positive attitude and, and being a part of a team. You want to get people smarter than you on your team, and you want to listen to them. You want to work with them. You've been optimistic most of your life. Did somebody teach you about having a good attitude or did something happen and you said, you know what, I'm not going to sit here and just complain about it? It's just a series of things. I don't think there's any one thing. There's no thunderbolt. There's no lightning that strikes you and all of a sudden you get all this great intellect. I think it's a series of experiences. It's becoming aware of how your belief system shapes everything else that happens in your life, how your attitude uh, helps to form your life, how your attitude creates the results that you get in your life. When you begin to connect those, then you you start realizing that, well, and, and for me, you know, I said, well, you know, my my attitude and my belief system create the results in my life. So if I have a positive attitude, <laughs> there's no question I'm going to get some positive results. Well, the opposite of that is to be negative. Well, why would I want to be negative if knowing that will also create negative results in my life? So when I got that realization, it it really gave me absolute total control of what happens in my life. You know, because I control it, man, by by my attitude, by my belief system, by my belief system, and by how I interact with other people and what I think about me. So how did Hawaii come into your life? Ah, Hawaii, Hawaii, to, you know, well, you know, it was Hollywood. Ta- no, nah, it was Tallahassee, New York City. My okay. mom, my mom and dad divorced when I was twelve years old, and I moved to New York City to live with Aunt Della, who's the first person that ever made chocolate chip cookies for me. And uh, at the age of uh, age of twelve, all of that happened. And, and isn't that interesting that my whole life changed as a result of a divorce? You know, and I didn't realize that until twenty-seven years later, because I was twelve years old. I was thirty-nine when I started Famous Amos, but. I dropped out of high school, which is another, you know, I don't, I don't encourage anyone to drop out of high school. But if I hadn't dropped out of high school, we wouldn't be talking right now because <laughs> I dropped out of high school and joined the Air Force and our station, 1954 at Hickam Air Force Base. Um, that was my introduction to Hawaii. I loved Hawaii. Man. I was going to get discharged here in uh, 1957, six months before I was scheduled for discharge. They transferred me back to Travis Air Force Base in California. And so, um, but still, I got my GED before getting out because that was part of my plan, and I I completed that. So, you know, I'm officially a high school graduate, and that's good. <clears throat> um, but I um, went back to New York from Travis just with the intent of being there for a couple of weeks, just saying hello to friends and family, and then I was coming back to Hawaii. <laughs> it just was in my blood. <laughs> and I, I had a little sweetie here, I thought, you know. <laughs> And I was coming back. I'd made some friends. Spence Cliff was an organization that owned all the restaurants and whatnot then. And I worked at um, it was Kelly's. It was down on Nimitz. And I at the old Sky Room. Uh, I did, I think it was the old airport, a little small at Dink Airport. And they had a wonderful uh, <clears throat> uh, restaurant called the Sky Room. And I was a busboy there. And uh, Spence Cliff ran the operation at um at, at Hickam, the cafeteria there, and they had lunch shacks all around the, the base. And I used to drive the, the truck to, to, to um, supply the lunch shacks with, with lunches and stuff. So, I mean, I, I was living the life, you know, and uh, I, I wanted to come back to that. Well, I got to New York, and one thing led to another. And 20 years later, I came back to sell cookies at McInerney's. And um, uh, I just met Christine, who is now my wife. But we, we, we just started dating, and we were here for four days. We were staying at the Royal Hawaiian Hotel. And a colonel, Colonel Tom Hedge, who was a, was a retired 
but he he built that that reef runway out at the the, the airport. He supervised that because the military put that together. And uh, but he read in the paper that I'd been here and that I was stationed in Hickam, and I would really love a, a tour of Hickam. And so he picked me up and gave me a tour of Hickam, and I, I rode. He drove on that reef runway. I'm probably one of the few people that have driven on that runway. In an automobile, yeah, you know, um, and and so it was just. I mean, we were here for four days, and after four days, I told Christine, I said, you know, we're gonna move here. And she said, Oh, you're crazy. I said, Well, you know, she was right, and I was right. I might be crazy, but we did move back. <clears throat> that was February '77, and May of 1977, um, we came back, and, and I ch- we shipped our car. Friends met us at the airport, took us up to Matson. We picked up our car. I've been driving ever since, and I tell you. I have not had one bad experience since I've been living in Hawaii. Not even for a second, man. I love every minute of it. And it's just, it is such a great place. Um, I feel so much a part of it. And I have since I first moved here. The people, I've made so many friends. And it is just a wonderful place to live. The Aloha spirit is alive and well. And uh, I'm so happy to be a part of it. I was really honored last year, last November, when... um, uh, the mayor's office, they put a commission together to um, identify people that they thought, you know, had been instrumental in helping to shape Hawaii. I had the privilege of being one of them. I was floored by that because I thought it was an incredible honor, you know, to be named as one of a 100 people of, of all the people that, you know, have really made a major contribution uh, to the city that um, they chose me and it's a wonderful spread in Honolulu Magazine and had a great luncheon and a great, great dinner and reception and stuff. So, I mean, I am, I am a part of Hawaii and I, I, I'm involved in, in many, many facets of this community and, and I love serving the community. Thank you so much, Wally, for joining us today on Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. For yeah. more information on today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio Hawaii. This show is brought to you by Central Pacific Bank. Fiercely loyal banking. This is Jim Tollefson, President and CEO of the Chamber of Commerce of Hawaii. Why should other people listen to this show? Well, they should listen because I think they'll learn something from it. I know uh, I did some listening before I came on, and I'm going to uh, continue to listen in because you're never uh, you're never too late to learn. I think that uh, learning is a lifelong process, and uh, you if you stop the day you stop learning is the day you stop living. So uh, by listening to the show, you, uh, you definitely are going to learn something and you're going to grow and, uh, and uh, be more successful.